Ready to elevate your credit understanding and score? With insider tips and a plan, you can take action to improving your score, which can save thousands in unnecessary finance charges. Let's tackle today's topic with your coach, Credit Christy. Hey friends, it's Christy, your credit coach. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Today is a little less planned than some of my prior episodes, and I just really want to share from the heart. So recently I've been seeing a trend that I want to share with you and I don't know exactly what's causing it. I have some thoughts and ideas about it that I will share and maybe you find yourself in this same boat or maybe facing some of these same decisions that some of the people I've been talking with have been facing and experiencing. So I just felt uh, a calling on my heart to share this part with you and I've been working on some really important and exciting projects. I'm writing my second book, It should be published this summer. It's called Finish Financially Free. So I've really been pouring a lot of my time and energy and thoughts into presenting something that could really make a huge impact in so many people's lives. And so I just wanted to share with you a couple of the highlights from that and kind of incorporate it with what I wanted to share with you that I'm seeing as far as trends when I'm looking at credit reports. So let's dive into some of the trends that I've been seeing. Um, It's so unfortunate, and I've done an episode in the past about uh, current car loan payments and compared new car loan payments to um, used car loan payments. And either way, friends, it's $600 plus a month for an average priced car right now. And that is going longer than five years in most cases for the repayment. So there's just a tremendous amount of interest that is paid. It's for a very long time. You're likely going to get bored with that car long before you're even breaking even for what you could potentially get in a trade-in and what the loan amount is. And uh, just recently, I was uh, working on a loan application for a teacher and she has greater than an $800 auto lease payment. So at the end of that lease term, she has nothing to show for it. She's got to trade that car in or she's got to purchase it and most likely would have to finance it with a new loan. And in her case, her car payment was close to about 20% of her gross income. So before any deductions are taken out for you know insurance and retirement and taxes to our government, just about 20% of her income is going just to pay for that monthly payment on that car. So Obviously, that's a problem. It's cutting into her ability to save. So now she has very, very low down payment for her goal to buy a home. And it was also affecting her level of approval. So my suggestion was see if you can get out of this lease without a tremendous penalty and see if you can't get into something with a three or $400 monthly payment, which I know is not easy. So while we're on the topic of unaffordability, let's just face the elephant in the room. Housing payments have gone through the roof. And the real estate market is just really crazy right now. I've never seen anything like this. In my home area, a two-bedroom apartment is averaging over $2,200 a month. And where the median household income is in the low to mid $80,000 range, that's a big chunk going towards rent. 
And the problem is it now stops people from being able to put aside money into savings towards their bigger goals. And because interest rates have gone up, I don't know, 450 basis points or greater in the last year or so, that has caused the prime index rate to go up, which is what short-term loans are based off of, including APRs on credit cards, because that is also tied to the prime index rate. Now more of your monthly payment is going to paying interest. And if you haven't noticed, your payments are probably quite larger as far as a monthly minimum payment than where they were just a short year ago. So now more of our take-home pay is going towards just servicing debt and paying for our home. This is the first time in my 12 years of originating mortgage loans and almost 20 years of being in the real estate market where I have seen that the median income household can no longer afford the median income priced home. For most of the country, the median priced home is in the high 300,000s. That's a lot of money to chew for a first time home buyer. So my experience is so many people are unable to get approved for a price of a home that actually exists right now just some loose math with minimal down payment and where the average interest rate tends to be right now, a $2,000 mortgage payment, including principal, interest, taxes, insurance, and mortgage insurance will buy you about a $260,000 home. And for most people listening, you're probably saying there's not a $260,000 home in my community. And that is my sentiment as well. Another trend I'm seeing is that a lot of people are just showing up late on their credit card payments. And it's to the point that they might have some maxed out credit cards or so many credit cards with higher monthly payment requirements now that they just can't afford it. If that is you, if something is going on that is keeping you from being able to afford this monthly payment, it's so important that you don't just ignore that payment because it could potentially destroy your credit rating. It could make you ineligible for new loans or lines of credit, including something that you might need like a car loan or a mortgage. Just a few days ago, I was speaking with a young lady who had four credit cards all maxed out. And unfortunately, she had gotten up to three months late on all of them. Now she's returned to an on-time payment. She's restored that, but here's what's likely happened to her scenario. Because of those late payments, she's likely paying a penalty APR or a higher interest rate because she was late. She probably incurred late fees each and every month that accumulated. Because I did not look at her credit report when we just simply had a conversation, my guess is her balance that she had outstanding was now higher than her maximum amount on her limit. And if that's the case, she could pay a penalty there as well. So that overutilization of her credit cards is hurting her. Those late payments are slaughtering her credit scores and her credit profile. And because of the multiple months late on four credit cards, her credit scores are in the 400s and she is ineligible for a conventional or FHA mortgage approval. So there's a lot of ramifications that can come out of this. My suggestion to you is call your creditor, explain to them where you're at, ask them if there's anything that they can do. A lot of times your creditors, if you hit a tough spot, they will show some grace and some mercy because you are in communication, but don't just ignore it. Don't just stick your head in the sand and pretend like it isn't there because the fallout from that is going to be far worse 
than an uncomfortable conversation with somebody over the phone saying, I need a little bit of help right now. So here's the hard truth. We have to get educated about money and finance and credit. Unfortunately, most people don't spend any amount of time learning this. So the fact that you're listening to my voice right now and gaining education and steps of what to do and what not to do says so much. It will separate you from so many other people because friends, we're probably on the verge of some really tough, dark days in our economy. And it is going to be more important than ever that you are prepared. And there's no way to rewrite our family's future unless we can break some old chains from our family's past. The way you learned about money was likely as a child and just what you experienced in your environment. There's a really good chance that your parents didn't sit you down and talk to you about how money and finance and credit and borrowing and spending and saving all work together. I know that wasn't my experience and All of the people I talk to when we start down this road tend to have the same conversation, that they just weren't taught it. We were taught about micro and macro economics. We were taught about our country's government, but we weren't taught how to be efficient with what we make. And quite frankly, it's not our fault. If you really think about it, banks and lenders don't want you to know this information because they need for you to rely on borrowing from them. That's what makes them money. That's what makes them rich. And that's what keeps us, you, dependent because you're now required to make those payments on something that you've already purchased. And because you're paying interest on those things, it cuts into your ability to save money for the future things so you don't have to borrow for it. It's a vicious trap that keeps most people broke. But the system is set up that way so that these banks and lenders make money off of the interest that they charge to you. So what I wanna ask of you is, Really start thinking, ponder this thought, give it some time and ask yourself, what do you believe about money? What do you believe you were taught about money? And again, it wasn't a sit down conversation with your caretakers or your parents. It was likely what you experienced, what you saw, what you felt. Your environment taught you your current beliefs. And as soon as you can uncover what you believe, now you can question, is this belief true? And if it's not true, let's create a new belief system, one that is not from a space of scarcity, one that has abundance and full of possibility. And I know somebody right now is listening to this saying, I can't even envision abundance. I can't even dream about what's possible because I can barely make it to payday. Well, here's my challenge to you. If you don't put in this work, if you don't uncover what your beliefs are to make space for what is possible, for a new belief that serves you better, is it possible that you might be stuck in this same broke trap a year from now or three years from now? God forbid, five years from right now? If that feels like a punch in the face to be exactly where you're at right now, a few years from now, then I want to challenge you, take that time. You deserve being able to uncover beliefs that may not be serving you well. 
You are worthy of having a prosperous life, one that serves you so well. And unfortunately, so many people are walking around being a slave to money. They're going to jobs that they hate, that they're undervalued, underappreciated, and underpaid. But their reality is they need that paycheck. And that need signifies lack. It signifies scarcity. And it's also keeping you stuck. So let's uncover those beliefs. And the first belief, the first couple of beliefs, they're going to be superficial. They're going to be just on the top, on the top surface. We've got to get deeper than that and deeper than that and even deeper than that. Usually you have to go about seven layers deep until you can get to your true core. So I'll share a little bit of my personal story with you now. During those really young formative years, I was living in Idaho and my father was a pastor and also a principal of a Christian school. And my mom was raising five kids, and she also had a daycare out of our house and brought in literally hundreds of foster kids over the years. So we always had a full house. And since my father had a church, sometimes we even had missionaries stay with us as they traveled throughout the country. I saw my parents do so much good in our community and in our little world that I actually created a story because we were so broke and we were poor. Catch that, those are two different distinctions. Broke means you don't have any money left over for anything, right? You're barely able to pay the bills. Poor is an income threshold and we were definitely at the lowest end of the income threshold, especially for our family size. But the beliefs that I had deep inside of me that I did not even know until, gosh, my very early 30s was that was what I learned from my environment. And that's where I saw my parents doing so much good. And I created this belief that I could do good in this world or I could make money. But it didn't appear that I could do both because my example showed my parents doing good in this world and not getting paid financially for it. And I did not know until I did the work. I read this really incredible book called It's Not About the Money, along with, I don't know, 25 other books on money and finances and mindset uh, up to that time. And when I actually put the time into uncovering, discovering my beliefs is when I was able to have my aha moment, my breakthrough, where I gave myself permission to also make money. And my life changed that day. My mindset changed that day. My beliefs shifted. I was able to replace those limiting beliefs with big, huge possibility. And I'm so grateful for that time of doing the work and I hope you will be too. So before we can change our finances, we've got to change our beliefs. I really appreciate where Dave Ramsey is teaching people how to snowball pay off their debt, but are we addressing what created the debt? Are we talking about our beliefs with money and why we aren't living inside of our means, why we aren't creating greater means for ourselves, why we don't have a vision and a plan and a goal for our future? We're just kind of meandering through life and figuring it out as we go along. Well, I don't know about you. I want to learn from the experts and fast forward that learning curve. So dig deep, 
Start to uncover what your beliefs are about money because we cannot create a financially unbreakable future until we can figure out what we believe from our past. And then we can create a space to heal our relationship with money. So one more challenge I have for you before I end our time together today. Start paying attention to the words you say. And it may not even be external language. It may not be words that cross your lips. Really start paying attention to the words that you say to your inner self. Keep in mind that there's a really good likelihood that the majority of your self-talk is negative. And it's unfortunate because it's self-sabotage. It's negative self-hypnosis. It's creating boundaries and limits in your mind and in your life that might even keep you from being able to see what's possible. Friends, we have this one life to live and you were not created to play small. You have very special gifts that the world needs to be exposed to. And sometimes it takes money and resources that take money in order to share it with the world. And if you're stuck in a relationship with money that keeps you from feeling empowered, creating dreams, saving and storing towards big goals to accomplish, then how are you possibly going to share your message with those around you that need to hear what you know, what you have to say? If you could start to recognize that language, that inner self-talk, once we can catch it, we can shift our language. We can attract more abundance And we can finally start feeling a little freedom because we can get into action. I hope you can get excited about these thoughts. I know I am. I cannot wait to share my book with you in a couple of months. And if this is helpful, please let me know. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to me at questions at creditchristy.com. If you are trying to tackle a big credit-related item and you're not quite sure how, feel free to reach out to me. I might turn it into a podcast episode. And if we haven't connected yet, why not? Let's connect on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. And until next time, my friends, stay well.